From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The Upstate New York Poison Center has seen a drastic increase so far this year in the number of calls to the Poison Center about children and teens who've been exposed to marijuana products, particularly marijuana edibles. Dr. Christine Stork is here to talk about this troubling trend. She's a doctor of pharmacy and the clinical director of the Upstate New York Poison Center. Welcome back to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Stork. Oh, thank you so much. Can you tell us about this increase? Yeah, so this increase has been going on for a couple of years, but we're seeing a highly increased trajectory of these calls starting in about 2017, and they've really gone up every year, um, almost exponentially since then and more than doubling each year. To our so 20, is 2017 about the time marijuana edibles became available and I guess they're growing in popularity. Yeah, the, they're growing in popularity. They legalized marijuana has been increasing state to state year to year. And I believe that's why we're seeing this increase now. So what age children or teens, what are you seeing? Who's, who's most affected? All ages have had increases in calls to the poison center regarding marijuana products, but the biggest increase has been in the age of five and under. So in small children. So little kids getting into it uh, accidentally, I suppose. Yes, unintentional exposure unintentional. to these edible products, um, the same type of behavior that we normally see in the two and three year old age population of, of the hand to mouth activity and unintentional exposures, but also in slightly older children, four and five year olds. We don't typically see too many unintentional poisonings in that age group, but these products, they look and taste very much like candy. So to be expected in that age group as well. So edibles, when we when we talk about edibles, it's a it's marijuana, but instead of smoking it, it's made into something that looks like candy or something sweet that you would eat. Yes. Historically, throughout the past 20, 30 years, people have tried to convert their marijuana leaves into other type of edible products in their homes maybe, marijuana brownies might be something people may think of, but these are more manufactured products of marijuana that are extracted a little bit more professionally and then put into these packaged candy looking products. And so some states where recreational marijuana was legalized in recent years, have you checked with them to see whether they've seen similar increases in exposures among kids and teens? Yes, there have been increases throughout the United States in exposures and more so in states that have legalized marijuana and in particular in this demographic of children in this very young age group and use and these edible products. There was just um, a paper um, published with regard to these exposures as well that highlights calls to the United States poison centers and this increase in calls for um, marijuana products. Are you seeing the use of the traditional marijuana cigarettes? Is that going down while edibles are going up or do you still see some exposures to those? We're still seeing some exposures to those, but that is not necessarily increasing in nature over time. What age can people buy these products legally, the edibles? I believe it's age 21. Okay. 
And again, mm -hmm. it's in states where it's legal to buy those. Those edible products are not available currently in New York state. So the, the individuals that are getting exposed to these edible products are bringing them in from out of state at this time. So they're either traveling and coming back or are these available through the mail? Can you have I, them shipped to you? I don't believe that's legal at this time. All right, well, let's talk about what makes these products dangerous and why they're more dangerous for kids. Um, what are some of the symptoms to be on the lookout for? In small children, there's um, exaggerated additional effects that can be seen with marijuana products in general, but most notably edible products. The dose is a little bit higher in these edible products than traditional marijuana cigarettes. But in addition to that, the effects are, are much more dramatic. These children have alterations in their mental status. They have declines in their mental status. They can become sedated. They can have coma. They can have breathing difficulties. So this is much more problematic in this age group. The other infor information piece that is important for teens, tweens, adults with these edible marijuana products are that they do not have an onset of action that is similar to a marijuana cigarette. So people who are smoking a marijuana cigarette, their expectation is that they'll have an onset of effects within you know, a very short period of time, minutes or so. Edible marijuana products have a long delay in onset. It can be several hours before the peak effect of a marijuana edible is seen. And this can also contribute to a larger dose being ingested of one of these edible products. I did not realize that. So a parent who sees a child with the symptoms you described, they may not immediately think overdose. They may not know what's going on, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of, I think it's hard. I think that some of these parents do a bit of backtracking, you know, what is missing and in addition, you know, what, what two-year-old only eats one gummy? True. So, you know, in one gummy tends to be the dose that people are supposed to take for the marijuana. There's a really nice um, news report from a reporter who bought a legal marijuana candy bar, ate a piece of the candy bar, decided there was not a lot of effect, and then she ended up eating the entire candy bar, which then had exaggerated toxic effects for her as well. Wow. Well, what happens if someone calls the poison center thinking their child may have eaten a cannabis gummy? What sorts of questions would you be asking them? So when calling the poison center, I would encourage everyone to call the poison center, but try to have an idea of the packaging of the product so we can gain some information and insight as to how many are missing, what dose the child might have been exposed to, and whether or not we think that the child will need to be observed in a healthcare setting. If they are told to go, you know, to a hospital, what is likely to happen when they get there? Um, they're likely to, you know, be observed for the most part for signs and symptoms of toxicity. And then once those signs and symptoms of toxicity occur, they'll manage them on a kind of an expectant basis. So it, the care, you know, there's no antidote for any of these marijuana products. So the care is very much general supportive care that any, you know, healthcare providers will be trained to provide.
You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking about the dramatic increase in the number of children and teens who are exposed to marijuana products with the Upstate New York Poison Center's clinical director, Doctor of Pharmacy, Christine Stork. I'd like to ask you about another product that was in the news recently called Delta 8 THC. Uh, New York State banned it. Can you explain what this product is? Yeah, so... Um... Regular marijuana products, the active component is Delta 9 THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. It's the chemical name. This product, Delta 8, is a slight chemical structural change, but very similar to Delta 9 THC. It's thought to have slightly less um, clinical effects on the brain, but it does have very similar clinical effects when used. So it was a legal. Um, drug or chemical within the United States, and it was just recently banned in New York. There's also another one to look out for. We have not seen it too much yet, but there's a Delta 10 um, THC as well. Again, just a slight structural change. The reason the Delta 8 was legal for so long is it, it can be derived from hemp. And there's a legalization st statute that hemp products, like we all, are now pretty familiar with CBD, which is derived from hemp as well, they were designed to be legal. So Delta-8 THC can be derived from hemp as well. It also can be derived from marijuana plant. So these Delta-8, 9, and 10, these are modified by, by someone. They're, these are not naturally occurring? No, they can be naturally occurring. They're just um, extracted from or derived from the ones that are derived from marijuana usually are chemically altered from or derived from the plant. What makes them more dangerous than just marijuana? They probably are no more dangerous than marijuana, except that these products have no regulation surrounding their use and sale at this point, which is probably why they were banned at this time. I see. Um, can you help us differentiate THC from CBD? Now, you mentioned CBD. That's legal in New York State, right? Those are products um, that I think people use for pain relief um, as a lotion or a cream or an oil. Um, are there other forms of CBD? Um, there are many forms of CBD, um, but as you mentioned, um, those are the most, some of the most common ones ingested or applied topically CBD type products. They are considered more herbal products at this time, so they do not have a lot of structured efficacy data to determine whether they're useful. Um, many people find them useful. Um, there's not a, a, a large amount of toxicity surrounding those as well. They do not cause a change in mental status when they are used um, in the doses that they're used. Some CBD products do have a small amount of THC in them as well. So they have to be below a certain percent of THC to be legally sold as CBD. Are CBD products, are they dangerous for kids? Have you seen any exposures? Yeah, very similar to THC, CBD products can cause toxicity in children as well. So something to look out for that these all are chemical structures. We call them the fancy name as being a xenobiotic because we have a lot of regulatory terminology surrounding whether something's a drug or an herbal, but in reality, they're all 
chemical structures, and that all of these things should be treated as though they're medications and kept up and away, away from small children, because they can have effects on the human body, in particular small, you know, pediatric patients. So the THC, if I'm understanding correctly, THC is regulated as, as a drug and CBD is looked at as, as an herbal product. Is one necessarily safer than the other? If they um, both hold risks, right? THC products have, a, have much more ability to cause alterations in mental status than CBD products. And in fact, CBD products, they do not cause much alteration in mental status as all, at all in the doses that people use them. So they're, you know, in that sense, they are much safer. So what advice do you have to help keep kids safe um, if people are going to have these products? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's several things. Basic poison prevention things I think would be very helpful, in, including, you know, identify that they can be toxic, keep them away from small children, don't ingest these products or use these products around where small children can see you doing it because they like to mimic adult behavior. And when after you're using it, you have an open container or even a closed one, put it up in a way. If you have a lockbox, put it in your lockbox with your other medications to limit the potential for exposure to small children. So storing these products with medication would, would be probably a wise move. Yes, I think many of them, they do not come in tamper-proof packaging as well. So you just have to have that added degree of, you know, respect for the fact that they can cause toxicity in small children. Don't keep it, you know, on your countertop where you might keep your regular candy bars and other things that your child may think is okay to eat. And, and again, they look so similar. You would never expect a small child to be able to tell the difference. Are you concerned uh, with the laws changing in New York State that you'll continue to see an increase in calls to the poison center? We are keeping an eye on that. Um, we're um, reviewing those products as well. We're collaborating a bit with New York State in terms of their regulatory process and trying to get information if there is an increase in calls. Um, but uh, I guess the a really long way of saying, yeah, I, th I think we will see an increase in calls. I'm hoping that educating the public as to how to keep the your children safe from these products will be helpful. Um, and maybe we won't see an increase because of that. Thank you to Dr. Christine Stork. She's the clinical director of the Upstate New York Poison Center at Upstate Medical University. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and radio talk show, HealthLink on Air.